Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. Great to be with you. And uh, our title today is Four Reasons We Must Reclaim or Cultivate a Deep Spirituality Amidst Upheavals and Turmoil. Actually, this is a really a passionate plea for me out of a profound concern I have as we are living in very unique times. Uh, and I've been having conversations over the last few months with pastors and leaders from around, around the world, actually. And, and we've got such massive change and upheaval and turmoil happening really all at the same time from the pandemic globally. Uh, it's just changing the world as we know it. Uh, the global outrage over racial injustice, that too is producing a, uh, a massive change, uh, especially here in the United States. And the global recession that hit the world all at the same time is also exposing us to a lot of change that's just kind of beginning in ripple effect to hit us. And so there's a pressure on pastors, leaders, and churches that's made us all uncomfortable. And as I'm speaking with folks, I'm realizing, oh my gosh, people are busier than ever uh, running around, and there's a tremendous sense of anxiety in the air uh, for many of us as pastors and leaders because there's so much uncertainty on so many levels that uh, and we are unable to control what, what's happening. And as one pastor said to me, every week I feel this pressure to not get out of the park with my sermons, uh, and it needs so much space and time, which I don't have, because otherwise my people will tune in to some other pastor around the world. And so we've not only got to reclaim uh, out of our heritage a deep spirituality out of which we lead, uh, we need to bring our people with us uh, as they are under great pressure. And we've got to change the scorecard for success uh, from things like attendance and how many folks are at a large gathering to deep transformation in our discipleship with Jesus and deep transformation for every single person who's in our church, starting, of course, with us. I'm convinced God is seeking to midwife something in us. And in, he's inviting us to let go of some ways that we have followed him and things that we've held on to. And to uh, he's inviting us to some new choices that will lead us closer to him and actually fulfill his dream in us, for us, and through us. And so the kind of spirituality that perhaps we've gotten by on is not sufficient for the present situation in which we find ourselves. Um, and that certainly applies to our people that we're leading as well. There is a need for a vital, dynamic, firsthand relationship with Jesus, uh, like really like, like that wasn't needed uh, prior to this on the same level. In other words, we can't be getting our spirituality secondhand from podcasts and books and newspapers and uh, but we've got to cultivate the ability to hear God so even and, and have sufficient space to ponder it so even as you listen to a podcast like this you've actually got the space uh, afterwards so whatever God might kindle in you through this so he speaks to you directly through it maybe a scripture or some comments I made so let me define a deep spirituality before we go into our four reasons why we must reclaim this deep spirituality what I'm referring to. And I'm referring to uh, the disciplines, the, the spiritual practices of silence, uh, solitude, Sabbath, scripture, uh, spiritual companions who are passionate for Jesus, a, a real slow down spirituality out of which we do a, a healthy self-care so we can 
uh, follow Jesus long term, regardless of what's happening circumstantially around us. And so I'm referring to a reset button needing to be pushed in the way that we're maturing and growing in Jesus ourselves. And it may it may include things like you're actually spending you know much more time reading scripture and meditating on it, like you know reading a whole book of scripture in one sitting. Uh, and maybe you had a day along with God once a quarter. That may need to happen uh, once every uh, month or once every week. Uh, instead of silence being, I'm going to meditate on a, a scripture verse. As I asked one pastor, what does it mean that you, your time, you're silent before God? And he says, well, I, medit- I was meditating on a verse of scripture that I was doing in my Bible study. And I meditated on that for five minutes. I said, that is not the practice of silence that we're talking about here. Uh, I'm talking about communion with God without words. Of, of abiding in him and receiving his love and surrendering your will to his will. Uh, another level of doing, being still and silent before the Lord. And uh, it, it's, you know, I read a verse this morning uh, in John 17, 24, where Jesus prays, Father, I pray that those you've given me, that they might be where I am to see my glory. And I just said, oh, Lord, may I have a desire to be with you like you have a, such a desire to be with me. Uh, and just to sit in that for a while. Uh, that just takes time. It just takes space. And, and so this issue of secondhand spirituality is, in my opinion, the greatest crisis in the 21st century church before all these upheavals and uh, hit us uh, a few months ago. And uh, because the vast majority of people in our churches are living off other people's spirituality, we assume they do have this personal dynamic living relationship with Jesus because they accepted Christ. We assume wrong. Uh uh, if you ask people, you know, how often do you actually meet with, with Jesus around scripture or, or prayer? And if you do, what do you do and for how long? And and how does silence and solitude and Sabbath and, and study of scripture fit into your life? And if you ask for specifics, you actually find out, oh my gosh, this is a shock. And we've underestimated the magnitude of change going on around us, uh, the decline of, of any kind of Judeo-Christian values around us. Uh, and it really doesn't matter what we preach from our pulpit, it, unless we get our people, equip them to spend intentional time cultivating their own firsthand relationship with Jesus, the living Jesus, uh, we're simply shuffling chairs around the Titanic. And and uh, so if we're going to develop Christ followers uh, who are deeply anchored in Jesus, uh, kind of like an artist or an athlete who has adopted a certain lifestyle and commitments to actually mature and grow, uh, that kind of intentionality, unless we equip people for that, uh, we're in gigantic trouble, but it begins with us first. Uh, and, it, and if we don't do it, our people, we, we can't bring our people with us here. So uh, let me go in now why these four, uh, four reasons why we, we as leaders and pastors must make a shift and cultivate or reclaim, I would say it's a part of our 2000 year heritage, uh, a deep spirituality uh, amidst, again, cataclysmic events that may be happening around us and changing the world. Before we do that, let me just mention uh, a resource that I want to make available to you that's uh, on our website and free, and we try to make a resource available to you as often as possible, and uh, it's called, uh, you know, it's called The Daily Office, emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office, and basically it's a tool uh, I developed a number of years ago to help people get started with pausing to be with God in the daily office morning, midday, and evening with God, and it's a, something you can download onto your phone and use it to kind of anchor your day and stopping to be with Jesus with the goal that you abide in him all day long. And uh, so let me encourage you to, you know, when you get a chance, go go to the uh, website, emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office, and you can download that 
uh, either in a PDF form that you can, you know, for yourself in print or into your phone. And let me encourage you to do that. So let's go now into our four reasons. Okay, I'm going to talk about it will that by cultivating a deep spirituality, it will keep you grounded. It will give you perspective. Uh, it will also enable you to walk with integrity in these days. And then uh, finally, it will enable you to patiently trust God for the long haul. So let me take you one at a time. About get just just It'll keep you grounded. We are living in emotionally charged times. Um, it is easy to be knocked off center uh, and think short term. And if anything, we need you uh, right now to, to be is grounded. To, your feet on the ground, grounded in God, uh, so that even if hurricane force winds come against you, you you've got a stability to you. One example that comes up often uh, for me has to do with, uh, I'm going to use a term that uh, was used by a professor at Yale in African church history, uh, and he called it the Americanization of Christianity. <clears throat> and you refer to how whenever the church has been co-opted by a political party, whether it's to the right or to the left, in all of church history, it has always ended up in disaster. And in fact, it's an indication that we're not grounded in Jesus the way we need to. So, so when it, whether you look at the Roman Empire, uh, when Constantine took over and the church became identified with the empire, or the church in the Europe in the Middle Ages, uh, and the way that church and government was all wrapped up in one, or you look at Ethiopia or Angola or Germany in the 1930s and 40s uh, with the Nazis, when the church has been co-opted, it has always led to a disaster. So let me be very clear. Uh, the Church of Jesus Christ is is never aligned with a political party. We're not to the right or to the left. We are aligned with Jesus, which transcends uh, any government. Um, you may have your personal views, but we as a Church of Jesus Christ are more in a prophetic role. Uh, and so we want to stay grounded in that and be very careful. Uh, I want to say it again as clear as possible, uh, because Scripture will always have, cert will have, will have certain positions that will put us on different places in the political spectrum. And, and, and as, we, as we wrestle with even history right now, the facts and what happened historically has been so twisted up and, and distorted. Uh, and, and it's so important that we get ourselves educated, again, grounded. It, it's important to read and study and be well-informed. It's called the study of histori historiography. And I, I, if you've ever read Educated by Sarah Westover, she was raised in a fundamentalist Mormon home uh, in the hills of Idaho. And she, and she writes her book about how she came out of this uh, lack of education or ignorance of history. She didn't know about the Holocaust, for example, or the civil rights movement uh, because her, her way she was raised by her parents. And it wasn't until 17 years old she actually got to college and began to learn about them things. And she wrote this, what a person knows about the past is limited to what they're told by others. But shifting a misconception can shift the whole world. And as, and as leaders and pastors, it's very important that we're well-informed, that we have space and time to read and study uh, and not simply buy into any passing theory that passes by. And just think with me for a minute of Jesus in his day and what was happening in the religious uh, environment uh, of which he was a part. And he, he said, you know, three different times, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. He said, beware of the leaven of the Sadducees. And he said, beware of the leaven of the Herodians. Uh, you know, the, the Pharisees were the religious leaders of Jesus' day. They were very, they were, they were legalists. Uh, they were perfectionistic. They were they were meticulous with scripture. Uh, they read they memorized whole books of the Bible. 
they they gave 10% of their income, they prayed five times a day, they evangelized, um, but they were unapproachable, unsafe, not warm, not kind. Uh, and they accused Jesus of being a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, And but they were legalists. Then you had the Sadducees who were highly educated, upper class, more than a, we would say liberals, very showy in their uh, expression of religion. He said, beware of their you know, that showiness of the Sadducees and the Herodians who had aligned with the Herodian political Herod and the political party uh, as Jews. And Jesus says, beware of them as well. And Jesus, of course, refused to align himself with Herod. Then there was also during Jesus' time, the Zealots uh, who were revolutionaries. Uh, Simon the Zealot was one of the 12 he chose to be among him. Uh, and the, the, the crowds chose Barabbas uh, at the cross. They didn't choose Jesus. Remember, Pilate said, who do you want me to release, Barabbas or Jesus? And they said, we want Barabbas, basically the zealot, the freedom fighter. He gets things done. Uh, and, you know, he's working for justice. And, and uh, we don't want this Jesus, this dreamer who believes in angels. Uh, and uh, they chose zealots. And Jesus didn't choose the, the road of the zealots. Then you had the Essenes who were living in the desert. He had withdrawn from society because the world was so lost. And, and so when I talk about being grounded. Don't be surprised at the fact that there's all this stuff going on around you. You say, oh my gosh, people believe so many different things. It's so confusing. It's never been like this before. No, no, it's always been like this. Uh, and part of being a, uh, having a deep spirituality with Jesus uh, in, in turbulent times, in chaotic times, is, is that you're grounded. Uh, and so, so that you come to a place where you're able to say to yourself, hmm, I have nothing to, to fear from apparent losses and I have nothing to gain even from transient achievements. Uh, in other words, I'm not holding or striving uh, for anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm free because I'm, my anchor is in Jesus. And so if I, have, if I had some losses, it's okay. And if I had some gains, that's okay too. I'm, I'm, I'm in a sense, I'm, in, I'm living out of loving union with the Lord God Almighty. And I'm in a good place. So I'm going to give you two examples for me where this has played out. Just in the, in, in the last, you know, few weeks. Uh, the first has to do with the, around the whole issue of... Uh, racial injustice, systemic racism in the church. And, and God just brought me back to, again, to scripture. Again, scripture, oh Lord, you know, such an anchor. And, and Ephesians chapter uh, two and three, and then the book of Revelation and, uh, and the whole book of Acts and, and, and how, you know, Jesus, Paul lays out this tremendous vision for us in Ephesians about how the dividing wall of hostility has been brought down by the blood of Jesus. And the ancient uh, Judeo-Christian, Judeo-Greco-Roman world was so divided. You know, you had Hebrew Jews, you had Greek Jews, you had Samaritans, you had heathen Gentiles. There was such hate uh, among, you know, these races and cultures. And uh, Gentiles hated Jews, Jews hated Gentiles. Consider them, the Gentiles were fuel for the fires of hell. And, and Paul lays out, no, Jesus has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility through his, of hostility through his blood and uh, through the cross, and he's created a new creation called the church. And, one of, and the church understood one of their central tasks was to break down these walls of hatred and, and, and be a worldwide family that transcended nation and social class and racial barriers, that a new human race, a new society, a new people have been created. And, and that God, in Revelation, gives us this tremendous picture of a, a multicolored bride, a certainty that the evils of racism and oppression and hatred and indifference, which were so great and have been all through history, um, uh, will be will be healed, will be transformed. Uh, and with his blood, he has purchased 
uh, people from every tongue, culture, tribe, uh, and there's going to be a great marriage supper of the Lamb with Jesus. And, and so when I get discouraged and overwhelmed, and I have been in these days, going the deeper, you know, I've gone into, again, the, the whole issue that God has, has pursued this issue of reconcilia- racial reconciliation at infinite cost of, of himself. Uh, and there's nothing more valuable than the blood of the Son of God. And Jesus paid all he could pay, all that was needed to pay the, in term, to make this a reality. And so we labor for a vision of a church that's not segregated by class or race, but by a church that actually reflects that for which Jesus died. And I've just been uh, prayerfully pondering and meditating on that scripture and have been so excited uh, with hope versus over and against despair that nothing will ever change uh, because racism is so deeply embedded both in individuals and institutions systemically. Uh, and so, yes, he, you know, God wins in the end, and uh, his wind is blowing at our back. And a second, you know, talking about being grounded, I've been pondering and meditating on the book of Amos, uh, and that God is really concerned about the outworking of our discipleship. And if you don't know the book of Amos, it's so worth meditating on and, you know, and reading and studying. It's it's a very short book, eight eight chapters, one of the minor prophets. And 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 he goes after the the people of the northern kingdom of Israel because of their lack of concern for the poor. He goes, you, you trample on the heads of the poor as, a, as the dust on the ground, and you deny justice to the oppressed. And over and over again, Amos goes after them because of their idolatry and their lack of concern for the poor and justice. And so at one point he says, I hate your religious festivals, God says. I hate your assemblies, they're a stench to me. Even though you bring me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. Uh, And he says, woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And he goes after they're very wealthy and comfortable. And they have these great songs and your feasting. He goes, but I hate your pride. And so interesting, I I, am... To read and meditate on this book now in light of our present historical context is, again, such a, uh, such a revelation that the outworking of discipleship uh, for me and for the church is so critical. And I, uh, and I, I can see we can have great worship meetings and big buildings, uh, and I can get very comfortable in my walk with Jesus but not be grounded. And Amos is a grounding Book. And so again, we're back to some of the practices that of a deep spirituality that ground us. Um, things like silence and solitude in Scripture, uh, and and Sabbath. But let me move on to the second reason why uh, why we must reason we must uh, reset our own spirituality and our rhythms and deepen our walk with God instead of getting busier doing things. Actually, to get less busy doing things and uh, more active in seeking the face of God. But here's a second reason. It'll give you perspective. Uh, deepening your spirituality will give you perspective. And uh, <clears throat> I'd like to, uh, to take my comments from the book of Habakkuk, which has been the book I've probably been reading and studying three or four times a week because of its importance uh, and uh, to today. And Habakkuk, he, he begins by saying... He says in Habakkuk, Habakkuk 1, 9, 5, God says to Habakkuk, Look at the nations and watch, and be utterly amazed, 
for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Now, Habakkuk is writing in a moment in history when he's in Jerusalem and the Babylonian Empire has surrounded the city and they are about to come into Jerusalem and wipe it out. They've conquered all the surrounding nations and the Babylonians are evil, they're idolatrous, they reek with all the opposite values of the God of Israel. And Habakkuk is horrified that this is happening. And uh, so he cries out to God. And uh, the Lord says to him, I'm going to do something in your days that you wouldn't believe even if you, even if you were told. And to me, that is, that is the verse that describes what's happening in our day. Who would have ever imagined in the space of just four or five months the entire world as we know will be completely changed. Uh, and uh, that's what happened to him. Pandemics, global recessions, I mean, you name it, job losses, churches closed around the world, uh, the acceleration of trends, massive losses. And, and so uh, his context obviously is different than ours. But what he does is so important. Uh, and, and again, the word here is we need to deepen our spirituality like Habakkuk does here. So we have perspective. And so he, here's, what, here's what he does. In chapter 2, it says, I will stand at my watch and station myself on the ramparts of the wall. And I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I am to give to this complaint. And so he, he gets into a place of stillness and silence. Really, Psalm 130, I will wait for the Lord more than watchmen wait for the morning, more than watchmen wait for the morning. Again, that's one of the core. Uh, I, I pray that every day, it's part of the daily office I'm inviting you to download on our website uh, because it's just, it's such a tremendous prayer to pray in these days from Psalm 130. I believe it's part of the midday or evening office uh, in that download. And then the Lord says to him, write down what I say to you. Uh, and so, so he commits himself to silence and stillness and listening and waiting before the Lord. And then God says, I'm going to speak to you. And so God gives him scripture. And then the Lord says this, though it linger, wait for it. And it will certainly come and will not delay. In other words, my words are going to, are, are, are true. And they may not get fulfilled tomorrow or next week, but they will be. And scripture gives us perspective. And then the Lord says, and the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. We need to hear that word today. And the Lord is in his holy temple Let all the earth be silent before him. It's tremendous. And then at the end of the book, you know, Habakkuk has heard from God and he's able to say, though, and again, he's writing in an agricultural society. Imagine they're making their living from farming. And he goes, even though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, and the olive crop fails, and the fields produce no fruit, and there's no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. He goes, basically, everything's gone. He says this, I will, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on the heights. So deer flies. They just fly there on the surface of the earth as they're, as they're moving. And God says, he realizes, I got it. You know, he calmly trusts in the Lord. Listen, perspective, our transformation always happens. I'm going to use the word always. It always happens over an extended period of time. And it always involves suffering, loss, turmoil, disorientation, collapse, and surrender. Transformation in our lives, this is the way it happens. There, there is no other way. And so, again, a, our, us taking time to deepen our spirituality, we realize that the end of something is always the beginning. Remember, remember this phrase, the end is the beginning. 
We think endings are failures, and failures are painful. So what do we do? We avoid them. We, we, we work our way around them. We want to keep things going. That's our responsibility as leaders. And, and we want to keep our people from experiencing losses. And, and we forget the central truth of Jesus as he's risen from the dead. And, that, and he affirms for us that endings are new beginnings, even when we can't discern anything redemptive or good coming out of it. Uh, and, and, but as we wait, we, we're pilgrims on this journey. God meets us. We get perspective. And I, I love Parker Palmer's quote, you know, on the spiritual journey, every time a door closes, the rest of the world opens up. So we've got, so, so he said, I, I learned to stop pounding at the door that's closed and turn around and basically, which puts the door behind us and look for the open doors and the largeness of life that now lies open before me. I love the great Native American wisdom. Again, back to perspective. In every decision you make, consider the seventh generation. Uh, consider the se- Imagine that. Consider the seventh generation. What would your 90-year-old self say to your decisions that you're making today? What would your 90-year-old self say to the decisions you are making today? Let me move on here. So not just grounding, not just perspective, but it'll enable you if, if, you, if, you can, if you'll cultivate, make, make a turn. To deepen your spirituality, it actually will enable you to lead with integrity. Again, making the shift to a deep spirituality. This issue of integrity has been, been a problem you know, for decade and decades. But now with the pressure on us, the temptation to skim and utter platitudes that are not flowing from our lives is greater than ever. One of my favorite Desert Father sayings uh, comes, it, it goes like this. It, it is from the 3rd century or 4th century. Uh, after Christ, a brother came to see Abba Theodore, one of the wise men in the desert. And he spent three days begging him to say a word to him. Uh, but Abba Theodore refused to reply. And the, and, the, and the young man went away grieved. And then the old man's disciple, Abba Theodore's disciple, said to him, Abba, why did you not say a word to him? See, he has gone away grieved. And the old man replied to him, I did not speak to him, for he is a trafficker who seeks to glorify himself through the words of others. I did not speak to him, he says, because he's a trafficker who seeks to glorify himself through the words of others. Theodore refused to give this younger brother any wise words from God's, regardless of three days relentlessly asking him. Why? Because he knew that the young brother would, would have been preaching truths that he was not living. Yes, his reputation would grow, his social media followers would grow, but he, he would join the great ranks of people who speak of things of God without living them. Uh, and uh, he recognizes he's, he'll be projecting an illusion of being somebody he's not. And, uh, and so this being taking this season to deepen will actually ground us to live and lead with integrity. But there's a one final reason I plead with you today uh, to push a reset button in your spirituality, and that is it will give you the grace to patiently trust and wait on God for the long haul, regardless of the upheavals and tumults and turmoils that come your way. Think with me for a moment of a caterpillar who eventually goes into a cocoon, becomes a, you know, in this cocoon, and then out of that cocoon comes a butterfly that flies. We are in a cocoon, a pressure, and you can't speed up that cocoon process of a butterfly being formed. It takes patience, 
and trust to wait. If you force yourself out of that cocoon before it is time, you will die. And if you help other people out of that cocoon prematurely and you shortcut God's process in their lives, they too will die. Uh, it is critically important that we deepen our walk with God right now so that we long-term are transformed to the people God intends. You may be listening to me and you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s, uh, maybe even your 50s, but God's thinking about you in your 70s and 80s. Uh, remember, the first 15, 20 years of your leadership, it's primarily what God's doing inside of you, not what he's doing through you. That's the work of Robert Clinton in The Making of a Leader. In other words, the first work is God in you. And he's teaching and training you to trust and to wait on him in the long haul. And we are in great upheavals. Listen, Matthew 24, Jesus talked about uh, the end of history. And he said, he goes, goes, they asked Jesus, Jesus, you know, is the temple going to be torn down? Is one stone going to be thrown on the other? When's the end of the world? And he says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, but such things must come. Uh, nations rising up against nation and famines and earthquakes because all these are the beginning of birth pangs. The, we're in birth pangs right now. Remember, birth pangs are something new is coming, a birthing, a new heaven and a new earth. God's doing something. And he says, you're going to be hated by all nations. The time will come. He goes, many will turn away from the faith. The love of many will grow cold. But he says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And so, he, and, and we are at a time when, my goodness, I mean, the challenge to, to the church and, and, and Jesus now and, and, and the beliefs of Scripture, are, I mean, they're greater than any time in my lifetime as a follower of Christ. And, uh, but Jesus says, the gospel we preach to the whole world. And, and in other words, things grow in the dark. Babies grow in the darkness of a womb. Bulbs grow underneath the earth. Uh, uh, you know, the end is the beginning. And, uh, and God's doing something in us right now in this cocoon. And so, so I, I love Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. If the axe is dull and the edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. In other words, if we take time to be with God before we do for God, our impact will be greater. The work will be easier, lighter, less exhausting. But if the axe blade is dull, you've got to work really hard. Ministry is hard. Leadership is hard. Because the axe is dull and underdeveloped. Uh, so... Let me invite you, I mean, I, I plead with you to reclaim a, the deep spirituality that's ours in God amidst any upheaval or turmoil that we're in and who knows what's coming. Uh, and let me invite you to reset around scripture and silence and solitude and Sabbath and finding spiritual companions and slowing your life down uh, so that you're, you're in a deep place of abiding in Jesus. And again, let me invite you to Go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office and download a free daily office tool that you can use to, to, to begin to deepen your prayer life and being with Jesus and praying scripture on a daily basis um, so that uh, you can then bring and pull those looking to you for leadership forward in Christ. God bless everybody. It's been, it's been such a joy to be with you. I pray that God meets you in this podcast and... Uh, that you will overflow with the love and the life and the wisdom of Jesus this day. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful day.